mouse and weeds and a 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 mouse and weeds I could care less. It's <laughs> awesome. I have no idea if I'll ever be employed again, and I'm secretly excited about that idea. Oh, my gosh. How do you do that? Like, isn't that stressful, not knowing where the next paycheck's coming from, or do you feel Kind like- of. I thought about it today because it's been two weeks off so far. Yeah. Today's the start of the third Monday, mm-hmm. and then all I do is I start planning how I'll live like a hobo. <laughs> <laughs> Like I could just get beans and rice. Or I could get. Oh, yeah, man. I like it though. I'm like, ooh, how could I do this frugally and stretch out this dry period for? That's I could good. I could be calling people and really putting myself out there, and I could probably get a job. Yeah. Very quickly, but secretly, I'd like to ride this wave. Really? Mm-hmm. You like to like go Buddhist, like very little belongings and possessions, and let everything go, kind of. That sounds really spiritual, but secretly <laughs> all I've done is like purchase things and gone out to dinner and like yeah. bought shit on Amazon. Oh. And now I'm, I am kind of secretly like, okay, maybe you need a job again. Uh, yeah. I know. But that's all it is. It's a game of like filling up the bank account, draining it, filling it, draining it. I would like to, yeah. you know, advance my career to where it's not so hand to mouthy, I guess. But yeah. But that's a story for another time, sister. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's but it's it's the struggle is real. Like people leaving their lives to do what they aspire to do and not have the security of everything. I, I'm I'm in admiration of you to follow your dreams and do all that because I'm too chicken shit to do that. <laughs> I need my little <gasps> nice boring life paycheck. But I'm doing that too. It's a nice boring paycheck kind of thing that's true then, yeah that yeah there's a balance between doing that where you could live comfortably I'm finding for myself at least and then still doing more of what you love right. but I'm finding what that what makes me happy right, right now it's burning Palo Santo have you ever heard of this it's like no. a stick and you burn it <laughs> like incense <laughs> yeah okay yeah but it just smells like a weird burnt forest it's really nice <laughs> I love that smell. <laughs> it's great. I know. Okay. We I'm have a, it. we have a candle that's like a tobacco scent. So it's kind of this weird smoky thing. Maybe that's what everybody's mm. into these days. Do you feel like a cowgirl? Yeah, no. I feel like I'm in a cigar bar and kinda of wanna oh. leave. Ugh. Yeah. All these, stinky. All these guys everywhere. Sister! Yes. Tell Gary me. Gary Shanley. Yeah, let's talk. Gary Shanley. So Disgust. we both watched Gary's um uh, documentary, not Gary, uh, Judd Apatow's documentary. And we thought we would interview our mom. You're going to hear that next. So, um, because our mom almost did it with Gary and, uh, <laughs> had, uh, we would have had a whole different head shape and possibly, uh, yes. Success. I don't know. Yeah. What would knows? we have? If, if Gary Shandling had been our father, we might've been more screwed up than we already are. No, I don't know. Not true? No, I In think he, case. yeah, he found some kind of cool balance. And anyway, let's listen to the interview and then um, we'll talk about it after. How's that okay. sound? All right. 
Bye bye. Bye bye. Here we have our mother. Hi Yay, there. Mother. <laughs> How are you over there? I'm good. I'm watching to make sure my little white lines are going, and they are. Okay, this Yay. is good news. We're all recording, so hooray! <sighs> yes, and you have a coughing. Cough. All right, what get it all out on? now, Mom. No more coughing allowed. Okay, no more coughing. Just kidding. <sighs> okay. You can have some water or something next to you. Anyway. There we go. We are here, and we are recording our mother because Mouse and I had just watched this really cool... HBO show with Gary Shandling. What was it called again? Yeah, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling by um, Judd Apatow. He just put it out. And it's a yeah. two-part documentary um, memorializing his friend and mentor, Gary Shandling, the great comedian. Um, and it was very moving and compelling. And Weens and I both recalled that our mother had a Gary Shandling story. So, <laughs> Mama... Hi. Hi. Tell us about, uh, first tell us where you grew up okay, and what year it was and then launch into your story. Okay. I went to high school in Tucson, Arizona at Palo Verde High School and one of my classmates was Gary Shanling and that's how this all came to be. Mm-hmm. So, so how, yeah, so did, did you, you have sex him? with him? Like, <laughs> Do tell. I didn't even have sex with your father. Oh, you how the, what the hell did we come from? Thanks a lot for telling us now. <laughs> no. No, you, you what did you say? I cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> you sent her you didn't have fit. sex with our father. I said you had you were immaculately birthed. Both oh. of you. That's right. There so I'm Jesus one and you're Jesus two. Yeah, word it. up. And she also yep. never toots. <laughs> that's right. Right, that's true too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so um, for my twentieth high school reunion, I went back, um, and just for a side note, my I had a gigantic high school. My graduating class was twelve hundred and fifty students. Wow. What and year did you graduate? Nineteen sixty-seven. And what so year you, was your reunion? I guess 20 years after would be 2007. Right. 87. Oops. 87. Leave the math to me, okay? No. Um, yeah, 87. I'm thinking that's it was 20th, not our 25th. And yeah. um, we all gathered together in a gigantic hotel that had a huge banquet room, and that's where the reunion was and it was quite the ordeal and you know very nicely catered and blah 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 and I was sitting with all my familiar faces from high school when the MC introduced Gary Shanling and ev- the crowds went wild and I kind of didn't know who he was and he started his monologue and he was very funny and Did you think I he was thought, handsome? I thought, what a cool thing that they rounded up a comedian for... Hey, hey, Mom. What? Did you think he was handsome? Well, from where I was sitting at the table to yeah. the stage? Yeah. Um, no. Oh. But, <laughs> but I was used to your dad. I mean, mm. you know. Dad's a hot ticket. 
He was. It was a hard Metal. act to follow. You know? Great God over there. All right, continue. Sorry. Go so um, I hope that nobody who loves him hears this either because, um, well, it is what it is. Anyway, um, okay, so <laughs> we, I know, another bleep. Um, he starts his monologue. He's funny. <laughs> Wait a second. That was just nice me. <laughs> Sorry, that was the Sorry. monologue. Go ahead. And um, <laughs> he finally gets to a part, and I'm busy, you know, buttering my roll or whatever, and he goes, could stand up. And mm. I go, what is going on? So I stood up, and he goes, I just want to know one thing. Do you recognize me now? And I looked up there, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders and kind of looked haplessly at him, and he just goes crazy. He goes, oh, my God, she still doesn't recognize me. And everybody's <laughs> laughing in there. And he said, okay, so here's the story. He said, I fell in love with her from afar in high school, and I figured out what her schedule was and where her classes were and where her locker was. And I would be the first one to leave my class and book it down the hallways so that I could be next to her locker when she got there. <laughs> and when she would get there, I would, like, lean up against the next locker thinking, okay, this time she's going to pay attention to me. And she would open her locker and, you know, slam it open, not even notice me, knock the glasses off the bridge of my nose. And, <laughs> and every time it was that way. And it wasn't because, you know, I didn't give it a shot. And everybody's laughing, laughing, laughing. And then he goes, even with national television fame, she still doesn't know who I am. And meanwhile, uh. I'm sitting there or standing there going, well, I just don't watch much TV. And that was why. I honestly had missed a whole lifetime of television and just busy yeah. raising you guys. So and do anyway. you remember this, Weens? We never got Showtime or HBO or anything because it was all paid. Even yeah. MTV was a paid channel. Remember that? I know. But. I raised you guys so poorly, didn't I? No, stop. No, Mom. It's, we had no money. and yeah. I thought it was TV more like TV. monitoring. Like we had a dad, too, who wasn't into TV, right? He just didn't want to rot our brains. Well, I think it was more monetarily motivated oh. in truth um but then so was eating and everything else we did but part of it was you guys were so creative as kids that it's i mean you know television just wasn't a necessity like it is now it just wasn't yeah. So anyway, back to the story, he got all the laughs, the accolades. He was just a stunning performer up there. And then he left the stage, and they finished the whole reunion. And the group that I was with decided that we would rent um, a suite in the hotel and hang out there after the reunion and kind of catch up on everybody's business. And we got to the elevator, and lo and behold, there was Gary with 
three of his dudes going up to his suite. So we rode up the elevator, and I looked at him, and I said, I am so sorry. <laughs> and he just started laughing, and he goes, hey, I used you too. And he gave me a hug, and we chatted, and we invited him to come to our suite, which he did, and we all hung out and caught up on things. And he didn't stay a whole great long time. And then um, we parted company. And then you had sex? <laughs> so no shanlings or am i <laughs> no yeah, who's got the bigger lips I, uh, yeah it's not me exactly anyway um it was fun it was uh it was kind of cool and then when i got back to you guys of course i told you the story and all of a sudden he became a celebrity and in our family and so i would kind of watch for things in the newspaper, the magazines, and um, we didn't have internet at the time. So so I mentioned that he could not um, fade away in our family because every time I opened a drawer or a cupboard (laughs) or got ready to wrap a gift, there would be a picture of him that one of my daughters, Mousy and Weens, would sign, Love Gary, two joys. <laughs> this was Weens. She would find pictures of him in magazines, cut them out, and stick them to the inside of a toilet seat. Oh, or... my gosh. He was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Coffee cups. I would, I would yeah, open up the cupboard to get my coffee cup in the morning, and there would be Gary. Oh, <laughs> Gary. He still shows up every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, mom, you I broke know. his little heart. I yeah. know. No, Gary. just, hey, I was great fodder. It was, you know, he knew exactly what was going to happen, I think. Yeah, but mom so. was the hot little ticket. She no. Had a bevy of men yeah. vying for her attention and her hand. No. How many times were you proposed to, mom? Oh, my goodness. Um, one, two, Four times. What? Four times. Yeah. Are you well, kidding me? One of them was this drunk guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, well. And it involved going across the border to Mexico. Oh. We were at oh. the U of A. So that <laughs> cool. one doesn't really count, but it Thank wasn't you for that. Yeah. Wow. See, yeah. I always wonder where he is now, too. Let me um, guess. Uh, dead. Drunk yeah. in Mexico or dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's true. But, yeah. yeah. But you were, you were beautiful. You oh. still are beautiful. Oh. So yes, it's are. no wonder that you, you made that so impression sweet. on him oh. and that he yes. did a whole bit on you. That's huge. I think well, that is I have mentioned to both of you before, I don't think it's necessarily how, how you look, you know, all the parts and pieces. I guess you need two eyes, and they need to look generally straight forward. She has a nice but, rack, everybody. Hey, she has a nice rack. Hey. But um, I think I was always real friendly, and that's why, you know, guys could approach me and girls too, and I still yeah. kind of have that. I mean, you know... I'm the only one that knows all the people that work at Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. 
Why it no? took me years to get you to use an ATM because you like to go into the bank to yes. talk to all the tellers because they're your friends. They so were. Sweet. And I miss that. I got to tell you, I miss that. Really? But your grandpa was a great uh, model for that. Was he, he? He was so social and so nice to people. So, yeah. That's sweet. Was your mom also our grandmother? She was a little... She was a little more shy, and he did the front running for her. Yeah. But she was cute and funny, really funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a good combo. They yeah. worked it out. They were t- married 54 years, I think it was, oh when Daddy passed away. So, wow. yeah, I wish that for everybody. Just fine. How long happiness. have you been married? To the poop, to the burn pooper. <laughs> Twenty three years. Wow, that's crazy. And I still really like him. What's and the secret? So the first one you didn't like so much. Second one, <laughs> the better. first one I adored. Are you kidding? I adored him. Really? Yeah, I did. Of course. But when did and he turn it crazy? Was, it was a good <laughs> life with him for sure. Mom. Just, Things kind of went downhill. They did. That's the truth. When? Like, what happened? Right around when she met Gary Shandler. (laughs) (laughs) I secretly love those pillows. (laughs) Uh, He, um, no. I mean, I don't want to get real heavy duty here, but yeah, it was, of course I loved him. I loved him even after I parted company with him. So. But you guys couldn't handle the change. You guys each change, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, I think that was part of it. Mm. Like he changed to crazy and you stayed normal? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really well, feel. You Come on. I think that he struggled a little bit. And I d- just didn't have a whole lot of steam left, you know? Yeah. Do you so, think it was from playing football that he had head injuries? You know, now that it's become so prevalent, um, yeah, maybe. But who would know until they actually did brain scans and figure it all out? We just I, watched, I had a friend over and we watched that movie, CC and Company, uh-huh. with Joe Namath. And right. I always had that picture of Dad with Joe Namath's bike in that movie. And my right. friend... Don Adams loves that movie. <laughs> and so we were trying to look for him and uh, did not find him in there. But you said he was just background in the U- University of I Arizona think scene. what happened is that whole entourage came to the U of A's football stadium to use it in one of their scenes. Mm-hmm. And the team had already finished practice, but they were hanging around. They saw all the cameras and everything. So then they just c- kind of leaned against stuff. And and I'm hoping I'm remembering this right, because I, they didn't have any horses in that movie, correct? No, it's just motorcycles. Right, right. Okay. So, well, which movie had horses in it? Because he was riding horses for a movie. That was he the... was in Old Tucson doing a lot of... Like that, his first stunt works, right? Like old right. westerns. Right, and and, but it wasn't one specific. There was one called then. The Soul of Inward Charlie. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was okay. it. Okay. Anyway, um, CC and company, it was just all the football team guys. And they kind of 
place them strategically all around. Wow. And that's the night I met your dad. Oh, really? That was it the night? It was. It was. I had one of the only cars that at the dorm, and I had a little Volkswagen, a 1963 Volkswagen Bug. And one of my friends, one of my sweet mates actually said, hey, they're filming a movie over at the stadium. Let's all go. So there was like seven or eight of us that piled into my little bug and we drove over there. And I can tell you exactly what I wore that night even. And um, we got out and we walked, we I mean, we were a plethora of beauty, you know, and we were all busy scoping out all the guys. And I saw your dad, and he was leaning up against a motorcycle. And I kind of sauntered over there, but I wasn't forward at all. I just made sure that I was in his line of sight. And then he came over and introduced himself to me. So it was, was it? the night of oh. filming CC and Company. Mm-hmm. And then what was Dad playing position-wise on? It was U of A, the Wildcats, right? He was um, a right, uh, right outside linebacker, and they tried him on defensive end also. Okay. And they tried him as a tight end one time, and he loved mm. that. He loved it because wow, I got a name for people like that. He liked it because it was more artsy. You know, he was you gay. Could... You remember when you said he was gay once? He thought her dad was. He told that to my ex boyfriend. She said, I think her father was gay because he liked poetry and art. <laughs> I said that? Yes, I you said did. That? No. Yeah. No. I didn't use those words. I said he he had an effeminate side to him, and he did. For being a football player, I thought he didn't have that real, you know, go kill him, tear the heart out kind of attitude. Yeah. So and then didn't he remember when he idolized Rosie Greer, the big wasn't he with the Raiders because he got into knitting. He was fascinated by that. He always talked about that how these big guys can be. Yeah. He's sweet and kind and cuddly, and he liked that, yeah. Well, I, I that think that's part of the reason why I don't know if it's self-sabotaged or it just kind of didn't have the the passion to move Kill. everything out of his life to become a ball player. Mm-hmm. He kind of let things happen as they could. I don't think that he had that murderous instinct. Yeah. And and then he wasn't the size of Rosie Greer. I mean, that guy weighed right. 300 and something plus pounds. So, yeah. But he was fast, right? He was and very talented. Who are mm. we talking about now? Rosie or your dad? Dad. Dad. <laughs> very fast. They um had they actually clocked him when he went to play with the New York Jets. At a 4.5 40-yard dash without cleats. And wow. he was 6'4". So they thought that was pretty damn amazing. And then yeah. they did lateral test on him where they they just thought he could really move across the field sideways really 
faster than most guys his size. And they attributed part of that to the size of his feet, that he had real small feet for his frame, so he could cross over. Uh, Yeah, 10. Was his, uh, woohoo, also small? (laughs) I knew I was going to. I'm going to have to bleep that out, your name and what you said. (laughs) This is the segment that we call... Mom talks wieners, mom talks wieners, mom talks wieners, mom talks wieners. <laughs> so you Hi. went from the first guy to the second guy. That's Do right. Do tell. Sorry. Dad dink in a denny dink. We're dad dad dink dinks. in the denny dink. Two dinks. Football dink. Cowboy dink. <laughs> oh. Artsy dink. Barn dink. <laughs> Gay dink or straight dink. <laughs> I prefer oh. straight dink. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, mom. Oh, I didn't raise you this way. That's true. That we could blame the dad. That's no longer yeah, with he's us. Gone. Real you nice, blame him. mom. Real yes. nice. Where you guys all came up with this loosey goosey attitude here? My sister. Yeah. I yeah. mean, weeds. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh. Not to digress. Um, well, can I actually stay on the topic of, uh, it is kind of interesting. So can we talk about dad for a second with his football thing? Because I don't know, I don't really have a full picture of it, but he got drafted from U of A right to the Jets. He went 16th round, which isn't very high. Well, I, I would say it's upper middle class high, (laughs) um, (laughs) And went back to the New York Jets. We he got drafted in January. He this was they 70, gave him seventy one, seventy. Uh seventy one. So he, Namath they, won the Super Bowl in sixty eight or sixty nine. Six. I don't remember. You're gonna have to check your facts on that one. Okay. Um. And he got a bonus check. And with that bonus check, he went down and bought me an engagement ring. And part of the check. And he was renting a little tiny place off campus. And um, it was real small, just like this room in a little kitchen, little bathroom. And... um, he invited me over. He said he was going to make me dinner. And I walked in, and there were all these balloons hanging off the ceiling. And there was one green one, and all the others were silver and blue and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, pick a balloon, any balloon. Well, he had just been drafted by the New York Jets, and their color were green and white. Mm-hmm. So I picked the green one. And he said, good. And he reached up. He had taped them onto the ceiling. He reached up and got it and handed me, this was all pre-staged in his mind, handed me a straight pin like you'd put a corsage on, those big ones. Mm -hmm. And he said, pop it. So I'm holding it. He's not holding it. I'm holding it. And I popped it, and he had tied my engagement ring inside the balloon. And so I was holding it, and here swings my little ring, and it was a beautiful diamond. What a sweet story. Sorry, I added a sound effect for the pop, but I shouldn't have. That was gross. I apologize. What a sweet story, Mom. And he got down on his knee, and he asked me to marry him. 
I have never heard that story in my whole life. No, really? Did you, Mouse? It's it's familiar, but I can't say I remembered it perfectly. Yeah. But now that no. I'm hearing it, I've, that I've is so it sweet. It's very know. creative. And I know. Did you cry? Yeah, of course. And did you freak but, out? Like, were you sure you wanted to marry him? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Good. Yeah, we had been dating for all of our junior year, and this was our senior, the end of our senior year. And um, so he goes, here's the deal. We've got to be on the road to a training camp in New York. So we have planned the wedding before that. So then we had this big wedding planned, and your dad took the invitation and posted it in the locker room. Well, all the football team... All the basketball team, the wrestling team, everybody in the world that walks through that saw that it was there. So on our wedding day, here came thousands of more people than what we expected. And <laughs> Where was the wedding? It was in Tucson at a big church right there close to the campus. So we yeah. had, I mean, just tons of people there. And... All the ushers were, they were all football players with the exception of one. So I had to order in all their tuxedos from Los Angeles because they were all 54 long or bigger, which (laughs) you won't appreciate that until you go look at a coat that size. Wow. And yeah, he went back, he tried out, he played uh, he injured his shoulder. They did uh, the injured jets? waivers, and they put him on release. This and is at then, the New York Jets, right? Right. Okay. And then um, the at the time, they were called Boston Patriots, took him off of injured waivers, and he tried that out. And I just think he didn't have much passion for the game actually super talented very fast really good athlete it's just I think that part was the one little glitch in the whole thing yeah mm-hmm. so that's was the end of it and then we came so back. that lasted what like a year or something uh-huh. doing the east coast thing right mm-hmm. and then actually we went to New York. Then he got cut like in October, November. We came back to Arizona. Wow. And then he went back and tried out with the Patriots. And that's when he kind of used his shoulder as not being strong enough. But I don't know if that was really. So you're saying truth. he kind faked of said, Yeah, you always thought he faked the injury. But I thought it was because mm-hmm. he was hoping to get picked up by another team. Uh-uh. He, he, no, that was at the Patriots also. Oh. Well, you know, when he was with the Jets, there was always, you, he had the opportunity. He should have just, you know, hunkered down and done it right there at the Jets. And but he didn't really want to. Mm-mm, I don't think so. Did this drive you crazy? It was, I was so young. I was so young and so in love and... Then I got pregnant with your sister, and then I was so sick (laughs) that I just kind of needed to, you know, yeah, no, I wasn't really crazy. I figured we've got nothing but our life ahead of us. We'll make something happen. 
So no, I didn't. I mean, you know, disappointing. He was so disappointed and confused and that was part so of it. So he that. never quite pulled it together, you thought, afterwards, right? Like he didn't no. he wasn't happy with teaching and then No. He tried no. stunt work he, in LA right. and I think what it was, and I don't know if this is true or not, this mind uh, interpretation. I think football players who rise to that level have had a lot of coddling along the way and a lot of uh, pats on the butt and attaboys along with their talent and hard work. And that all dissipated. He didn't have any of that. And I think it was just a shock. To him, to just be in normal life. But did he want that from you, like praise all the time? And hmm, I don't think I was the exclusive person for praise. He would have taken it wherever he got it. <laughs> so he had a pretty <laughs> humble attitude too. I mean, he wasn't like like super egotistical like some guys. Yeah, he was just very convoluted guy. I think yeah. that's why you guys are uh, introspective so. and <laughs> thoughtful and those kind of things. Because and messed up. <laughs> I never said that, and yeah. that's not the case at all. So that was our sweet mother talking about, um, yeah, Gary Shandling and then our father, who I think it's kind of interesting just looking at the similarities. She didn't really get into it too much, but um, of kind of how they were both, you know, these gentle souls in this kind of tough industry. Um, dad in football, but then he switched into the entertainment industry too and never quite found that success, yet always journaled about it and all that stuff. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, same thing. I think that dad was, well, he was also living, I mean, we're in the Bay Area, which was very limited, I think, in what you could do. So, right. But also, I remember him getting parts and turning them down because he was teaching kids. Yeah. And he always had this moral dilemma of what was okay or not to be a part of. Right. Which I think is really noble at the same time, I think it, there wasn't, he didn't disassociate himself from the idea that it was just a part right but i i get that because i think for example Mm -hmm. i think he got a marlboro commercial and he didn't want to promote smoking cigarettes because his kids uh his at the school might see him on tv and then say like if he's a role model to those kids in his pe class and he's smoking cigarettes right here he is a health teacher like yeah yeah that's right and that's cool you know i get it and that's sweet and in fact, your your boyfriend, the singer of Coldplay, <laughs> like they would never promote Coca Cola. They wouldn't take money from him, and they, and I don't know if they did it because it, you would know. Was it an industry thing? They didn't want to take money from big corporate, or was it just they don't want to promote? I don't know gross because soda. they do lend their songs to movies, to films, but they won't necessarily be on a commercial yet. I think they have been on a couple of commercials too. But I know there is, yeah, a lot of moral stuff going on there. And a lot of entertainers do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard and good for them that do. And some of them shoot themselves in the foot maybe for, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, anyway. So dad was very aware of that. And he was really going through his own personal journey about what's Mm -hmm. 
what is moral, what isn't, what, you know, and I think that comes from maybe his parents being so religious, Mm -hmm. possibly they were Lutheran. And I think growing up with a Lutheran minister, father, what's grand? I'm so confused (laughs) what grandpa even did. Grandpa Al. He was a principal of a, a Lutheran school and also a, um, pastor, I think, right? Didn't he lead? services too how do we not know this i know it's so sad i know i'm gonna jump back into my family history soon and get back let's do let's board. come back and figure that out. but either way we had a dad who's conflicted about what's morally okay or not right constantly almost to the point of i think immobilization right i think it was really hard for him to move forward in any area because i mean we would be we would be sitting and and uh, hearing his inner the workings of his inner mind he would kind of like talk yeah. to us young kids for hours right. about should I shouldn't I I don't know is that okay is it not yes do you remember all that yeah totally yeah I mean I was in high school and college and he would sit me down and here's the situation and he would really use me as a sounding board like as a peer it's almost like he turned us into his friends his peers to work out all his issues you know and he journaled like crazy he went to therapy um but yeah he never quite had that strong voice of his path forward and what was right and what was wrong and and then and tragically struggling. he died at 52 years old so yeah uh. and i know well it's it's a hard one to kind of understand because you see someone just stuck and maybe right. that was i've been looking at life as a video game oh that's <laughs> like, good if you get stuck at a certain level and you just like okay this person's not getting past this level so they die they come back and maybe the next time they jump right. to the second level and i don't know it's simplified but it like sort that. of makes sense it does make yeah. sense yeah but okay. either way so dad was kind of by the way okay and i have another point on the fact that we were kind of made to be peers and listen to someone's problems mm-hmm. and to me that's like irresponsible I parenting agree. yeah and it's kind of shitty and it's kind of like now i don't know I right can see where i'm i'm going to therapy to to kind of deal with it. really that but i also don't want to get stuck either and kind of well i mean it's like so you didn't really have an available parent right. to kind of go hey i want to listen to since you're the kid and you have a lot of life ahead of you and you're dealing with all these like like let's listen to you and helping you launch into life right <laughs> but instead it was just like you're just listening to so but whatever it's not the end of the world there are a lot of worse things but definitely I sure that, that is probably not the best example of seeing your right you know, male role model and like the god of your world is your father the goddess of your world is your mom whatever i'm mm-hmm. sounding froofy but um if you see them, if you're parenting them, it's just a weird dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. And as yeah. a parent now, I'm, you know, reading things and hearing advice and kids don't need a friend. They need a parent. They need that hard line. They need black and white and rules and, you know, sure, be understanding and cool and teach, but don't, you know, try to pal around with their friends and like, yeah, yeah it, it just doesn't work out, but... Yes, exactly. So um, bringing it back to Shanling oh, and yeah. her dad, and it just seemed like in Shanling's case, they, the way Apatow, you know, portrayed it was his brother died when he was really young, and that kind of messed him up to have someone so close in age that was kind of your best buddy, and then 
right. you know, the brother died of a disease that he had a degenerative. I can't remember what it was exactly, but yeah, he had Garrix, cystic but... fibrosis, I think. Okay. Is that a lung yeah. thing? Um, yeah. So everybody has their big trauma in their background that kind of sets them on a path, you know, of, and the mom didn't really deal with it. I mean, they just yeah. said, your brother's gone. You can't, they didn't let him go to the funeral and then nobody talked about it again, that which is also really so unhealthy sad. way to deal with grief. And the mom in the documentary kind of like sexualized him a little bit or whatever you would call it. I don't think Apatow right. pointed it out that way, but a lot of women, like a lot, and there's a lot of podcasts where the guys I've actually heard, mm-hmm. there's one called The Mentalist and mm-hmm. talking about mothers sexualizing the sons and how much really? it messed them up. Ooh. Or, you know, and I've, do you see this around you at all? Like, with- Well, having a husband who's one of two boys and then, you know, marrying into the family, you kind of get a sense of the mother-in-law issue, right? And yeah. it's almost like you're the other woman coming in to steal her man. Yeah, totally. So that whole dynamic is really weird, strange, and tough to get over but you know after years we're finally i think pretty good we understand each other so but, but see how easy it is for the mother to the protective mom yeah. can turn into kind of like oedipusy weird right you know? totally yeah yeah you just said oedipusy <laughs> sorry <laughs> i love it hey, good was... job for hey. picking that out hey yeah. bring it back yes. to the gutter right. no but i I really, um, I guess I felt kind of sad watching this Judd Apatow movie. Um, and I love seeing Gary get his success, but then related and felt sad that he never felt comfortable with yeah. himself. You know, it was always this next thing. And it sounds like a lot of actors and entertainers have that where they finally reach this, you know, big goal. You know, in his case, it was to host The Tonight Show. And it wasn't good enough. And he had to go out and find another thing and find another thing until he finally realized, just be, just be happy. And then he started kind of being a mentor for people. And yeah, that was so sweet. It was nice to kind of have that resolution. Yet it didn't feel like you ever quite got there, which I guess is life, right? I guess we're always striving for some goal you can never reach. But, you know, the journaling really reminded me of dad kind of reminds me of you oh too gosh. that you do a lot yeah. of the journaling i don't do that i don't know why i just don't need to i think you had a different i don't know if it was because you hung out with mom more i think you guys share a similar brain yeah You're both aries yep. born on the same day yep, yep, yep. uh if anyone puts any credence into that yeah <laughs> which a lot of people are like it's horseshit and well, it's a small part of it who knows possibly but whatever it either is. way you guys relate to each other a lot yeah Right. Yeah. And we were very like, go, 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 make a list, do the thing, black and white. And uh, yeah. And then you and dad, um, Scorpio and Pisces. Right. So does that make you more? Oh, he was. Oh, Mm -hmm. I thought February. Anyway, Um, does that make you more like indecisive or was that just a brain thing? You know, I have no idea. I think you and I talked about this the other day, just where nurture and nature is like, is it actually genetically coded? Is my brain different? And I happen to have more of a genetic brain like dad's or did I just observe him more and learn the behavior? Right. And uh, I don't know. I have no idea. And I'm kind (laughs) of like, I 
I don't know, because I'm always searching for why, 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 analyzing, analyzing. And then you just get stuck in the past, like the same yeah. issues I think dad had of either being in the past, your past, or your future tripping, mm-hmm. and you're not just sitting in the moment. of. And I think why maybe doesn't matter as much as, okay, so it is what it is. I see where it hurts me is the inertia and the being stuck in the non-decision making. Mm-hmm. I think just looking at what it is it's a lot of it's fear you could use it's a way to not move forward because you're afraid of failing or just in general like afraid of change and something which is which is very normal and human i think you know that's very typical for everybody but but then there's some people that push through it like i would see you as i've seen you just kind of set goals and hit them and mm. then you move to the next thing and you hit it and mom does the same thing she's yeah it like, feels I try this thing and then yeah i guess that fear is like oh well if you fail like it's good to fail so if you failed a few times and like whatever try the thing if it doesn't work you can always change it and yeah i so i see that now and with therapy i think i get that a little more like oh you fail you learn you try again you fail mm-hmm. i don't know why it was so different to have taken this long to learn that right. i think i got it conceptually but uh the way my brain works i think it's way more like these big lofty accomplishments and right. these big save the world things that you want to do in these big like right unreachable almost right and, like you have to switch careers and completely do the the whole big package instead of just you know, right. But you're great at it. Now I feel like you've jumped in. You're doing your music. You did your play. Even though it was a small little run, you know, at the Fringe Festival. I had to learn how to think smaller, yeah, honestly. Which is great. And you have a lot of screenplays that probably you're like, oh, they're not good enough. I need to still work on them and submit but them. But then if I would have done them back then, it would have been a, yeah, it may have worked or it may have failed. But right. I just didn't. It's the perfectionism and it's mm-hmm. you want it to be right before you release it to the world. But in doing that, I didn't release them. And yeah. now they sit and now it's kind of dated humor or it's it's like the idea of knowing how you want it in your mind. But someone like Winston Churchill said something that I had to put a quote on my computer for a long time that was like, it's, uh, it's profound to be mediocre. And mm. I was like, yes, I want to be mediocre That's and good. I want to because it takes away the weight of having to be great don't you wait to be great (laughs) i know i love that yeah just living in a little piece of this big world you know and doing your little tiny part and who knows it'll impact some people like this podcast hey it is so not perfect but we're just doing it and seriously how long did it take us to get this thing going because we talked about it in the car yeah we're like let's do it and then we got to mom's house and we recorded it and you edited it in the same day and just threw it out there. And we got all yeah. our little links up. We figured it out. And so. And that was the big talk was like you had come to me. It was Christmas at mom's mm-hmm. or the day before and said, we should just do a podcast. I've been listening to him and it would be fun. Right. We could just. And then I was like, well, what would we do it on? And I said, I don't know. Let's just talk. Let's just be ourselves and it's just for us and then whatever else comes of it comes of it but I love getting something out there right and 
like you with your music just you don't have to be perfect let's get small little gigs and start you know singing and playing guitar and just learning as you go and getting it out there and failing and looking and failing stupid and getting yeah it up and, do it a and getting yeah, exactly. bad reviews and having people not understand it or get it but just putting it out there and if it makes a few people happy fine if it makes just us happy fine like yeah I like that and I I don't ever want to be paralyzed by fear of stuff which is why we should probably just say who we are someday soon um, we're, we're, you're, you're struggling with I that know, more because I know. you're the one that's like uh, anonymous should I not should I should I, I, it's okay just let it it can unfold the way it does yeah it's I know fine. it's like protecting your family it's just like I don't know celebrities not wanting the paparazzi to take pictures of their kids is kind of how I feel in my brain just yeah. wanting to get them to a place where they're older and then it wouldn't matter as much so we'll yeah we'll get there when we get there but Anyway, yeah, so I'm glad you saw the documentary. Is my HBO password still working for you? Yes. <laughs> Good. Oh. Yay. Um, yeah. yeah it so, was... yeah, anyway, it was I related to dad. And then also our dad, who would go out to a lot of auditions, he, I remember, and I, I never understood it, but he, for example, got a part on Nash Bridges. That mm-hmm. would have been a pretty substantial part. Did he really? Is that is that yeah. connected to how you got the job? No. Totally unrelated. Well, totally. It was the big San Francisco thing, right? There wasn't a lot else going yeah, on. There wasn't a lot going on. Robin Williams. But that is and... weird. Like, I used no connection. I don't think I've... Yes, Dad, one time I used his agent mm-hmm. as a connection to get her to represent me. Mm-hmm. Quinn Tonnery was her name. Hmm. Um, or the joint name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, he had gotten this part, and he had always, you know... And would go to a million auditions you finally get a big part on a mm-hmm. tv show he, this happened three times he got a part on dying young right with julia roberts yeah. but he had to play like a lecherous construction worker in a bar he said no mm-hmm. for moral reasons didn't want to portray himself as that in front of kids this nash bridges he got something else that he turned down i guess marble man maybe i'm thinking of mm-hmm. and then um this one was it was a chunky part, and he said, "I'm not, I'm not sure I trust my brain enough to memorize it." So he turned that down. What? And those are huge. And that's uh. what has been an issue with me too, because I also followed in his footsteps and went and did Stella Adler Acting Conservatory in New York, which was a big deal to get into, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was intense two year program, and all the teachers were like, "We have so much faith in you. This is like, we really see you go like all this pressure of not failing. Mm-hmm. Like you've got so much potential. And then I got a potential big part on the Sopranos and I sabotage it, you know? Remind and me of that. What was the part? I, I, I barely remember that, but I do. It was a, it was Sopranos mom, Olivia's therapist, her physical therapist. And then, but they loved me. I went for 10 callbacks. I wow. got down to all the producers, all the executive producers, Brillstein and Gray was a big production company. It came down to, they're calling me personally, like, we love you. We want you to get this, but you're up against this one last girl. And and at the end, very right before I went in for the last, like, the big head haunches of the network and everything, and mm. they were in there, and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle the oh, pressure yeah. and all the lights on me, and I'm going to fail, and I'm going to fuck it up, and all these people are going to look at me and be like, oh, we chose her. Why do we, oh, no. she can't do it. And then I just killed it, and then the other girl got it, and then I was like, oh. So how did and you I kill it? Did you just not go in, or? I just, you know, you psych yourself out. No, I went in, and I just, like, I knew that I wasn't at the level. Every other so time I'd been. So your performance was just off because yeah. you didn't have the 
the ego. I didn't believe, yeah, I didn't mm. want to have it, so I killed it. Yeah. It's the story of my life in a lot no. of respects. But it's a self-fulfilled prophecy, kind of, of, I can't do this, so. But I'll get myself right up to that point and yeah. other things, too. But that's also what I saw in Dad, and I, I guess... The other thing is I have no idea what would have happened. Maybe right. it just wouldn't have worked out. So maybe all of this story that I've created, there's a big problem in creating a story for yeah. yourself too. Yeah. This, oh, I could have been amazing right. if I just would have. If I'd gone through I mean, door I know, A instead of door B, then. Yeah, and I don't want to do that either yeah. because maybe I would have, you don't have fucking any idea when you're going in for these auditions. Like really, right. maybe I was, but I, but I kind of had the sense that I killed it. Yeah. I kind of knew that I was going to, but, um, but God, you got that way, far. Like, I think that's a huge triumph for you to get called back. Well, that's like what and... I was talking to the, you know, basically the therapist about like, okay, you have the ability to get yourself and manifest these amazing opportunities. And you, you know that you could do that. So hold on to that. Don't hold on to the fact that you failed. And this time, mm-hmm. jump into it next time you do that. Right. So that's why I'm trying to like show up and do these cafe gigs where you sang and you like a couple right. of them were shitty and I sang bad and who cares then you you know right. but I can manifest that I manifest I said that I want to play live in LA and with a guitar Good. which I'm working on in front of people yeah. and, and that happened in a matter of a month you know I got myself there yep. but now and you did like, it down here too you did your street fair with that one band you were the lead singer for a while yeah, and so that was a different. I wanted to be in a rock band, and you know, mm-hmm. you did your music it was video. A, you put that out. Yeah, like, there's tons of parts and pieces out there, and so that's all you can I do. Right? I haven't stepped to the next level on it, but it. But then there is no level, really. That's it's it. like that's the pressure part. Yeah. It's kind of like just just be let go of the expectation. And what would you? What do you want to do to make? to let yourself grow right that's how i am but i'm old and i've been through all the other stuff of like <laughs> the crazy drive is gone to be like yeah i'm gonna hit this hard i'm gonna be famous i'm gonna you right. know, i just move to i don't want to yeah like that i don't have that in me i just want to it's good good tight with family like doing this with you is wonderful doing Yay. going out with friends and really connecting and being a better listener and being a better helper of other humans like i really really see <clears throat> that could be an age thing or whatever thing. right and this really does feel kind of like the conclusion of the gary shandling thing that he yeah. realized that yeah it's it's all about the people and the connections and i love that that's exactly yeah. it yay once again we're going to end our podcast with another meaning of life moment <laughs> oh, i <laughs> always do that i'm sorry let's just talk about it's okay no you know you what no let's let's this okay. is real life dear this is our okay. I, thank you honey <laughs> <laughs> i like being entertaining and funny but then i like all the introspection and this yeah. is us so there yeah. Cool, man. I like it. Okay, well, thanks for showing up. Thanks, guys. Yes, everybody out there, um, please check all of our mouse and ween stuff. It's all spelled out. And, and I do want to say that mouse was saying, you know, we would just do it for ourselves. But we also want to do it. Well, yeah. We'd love the fact that if anybody would get anything out of exactly. hearing, we'd love that. And there are some really 
sweet and wonderful people listening. So thank you. I know. And honestly, we did you know we had our biggest uh, website hit day yesterday? Even though I'm trying not to like look at stats and judge based on numbers. But yeah, it's fun to know that we're getting out there and, you know, connecting with people on social media and um, might be something fun for people to listen to. So we love it. Thank you. And please write to us so we can really connect and all that good stuff. Cool. Yay. All right. Thanks, Weens. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Little face. Its mouth was barely one inch wide. It wanted to say a lot, but someone told him that flowers don't talk. Now his little voice just took a dive inside. Yeah.